1: A lot of people have come to me, and I don't know how much of this you've gotten, and saying, is it going to hurt Notre Dame that only had two guys picked? And I went, I mean, I don't know if you saw my post on this on the board, but I went through this long list of, like, schools that, like, only had, like, two guys draft two to three guys drafted, you know, the year before monster years. 1986, Miami plays for the national championship, and they had two guys drafted in the first seven rounds. Another guy went, like, round 12. Another guy went round 14, right, which Notre Dame would have had at least five five guys picked if there were still 15 rounds like there used to be, right? But the next year, they go undefeated. Why? Because everybody came back, right? I mean, the year after Auburn won a national title, they had four guys get picked, right? I mean, Notre Dame has 14 starters coming back, 14 or 15 starters coming back. Most of their best players chose to come back for different reasons. So I'm not concerned about it and and a lot of people and i you know people say well you know this this high-ranked player didn't get picked and and i see you know, Thayer mumford w- was a seventh round pick haskell garrett was a top recruit he went undrafted master teague went undrafted right clemson had four starters from clemson's defense went undrafted this year right like it it, it josh Job from alabama went undrafted right uh, lebron ray multi-year starter for bama former five-star recruit went undrafted we have to understand that you can't just look at this little Notre Dame bubble and and understand that this is happening to everybody. Every, you know, Georgia had that weird year, just like LSU did for, look, the reality is the NFL for all of its analytics and all that's still a bunch of humans with emotions. If Georgia doesn't win a national title, I doubt that their third string tight end gets drafted this year. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I doubt it. You know, I doubt that their backup guard gets drafted. I'm, I'm sorry, I just I don't see it happening. It, it, it's what we saw from LSU when they had a ton of guys get drafted a couple of years ago. Just part of the part of the deal. And I do think that the NFL still overdrafts the SEC. And I pointed this out the other day on our message board. Do you know there were more Big Ten players that were on the first or second team All Pro last year than SEC? And if you and if you look at the Big Ten plus Notre Dame, there were more Big Ten plus Notre Dame players last year on first or second team All Pro than there was ACC and SEC combined. Right. So I um, you know, that's a different conversation for a different day. There were more
2: there were more North Dakota State players drafted this year than the University of Texas. Just putting it out there for a second.
1: And like, Notre Dame, which, I think. Didn't they then they have three? Did they, they had the the tackle, they had the wide receiver. Was there another one? I thought there was another guy late. Uh, Could have been. but the point is if you look at North Dakota State and North Dakota together, they had more guys than Notre Dame got picked. Why? Because most of Notre Dame's players came back. And that was the point of the articles we wrote yesterday. If you start looking at the early 2023 mock drafts, and look, do it for fun because some of them are brutal. Uh, We saw one from today from Pro Football Focus that had zero – it had Eric Gilbert going five, right, who didn't play last year and no Michael Mayer in the first round. You had Anthony Richardson and Will Levis in the – no, you had Will Levis going eighth right? The Kentucky quarterback who couldn't beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State. <laughs> you know, just, some of this stuff is absurd, but I do think there's enough reputable people that I look at and say, this is an example of what we're talking about. I've seen up to four Notre Dame players get, get slated to go in the first round next year. And there was another one from, and I think it was from Sporting News, where he didn't do a mock draft. I actually liked how this guy did it. I think it was Sporting News. I could be wrong. might have been College Football News. But instead of doing a mock draft, he just said, here's my 32 top players for the draft next year. I mean, that's kind of first round. He had four Notre Dame players in it, and three of them were in the teens. It was actually the three in a row. It was Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, and Brandon Joseph all in a row. He had Jarrett Patterson 32nd. That's kind of what happens you're going to have a small draft class when all your best players come back. With the exception of Kyle and Kyron, there weren't any impact players for Notre Dame that left. There was good leaders, tough kids. Great kids even, but not great players, not the best players. And so I think that's a big factor. And it also sets Notre Dame up, Ryan. So we we had talked, hey, Ryan, I want you to do a 2023 draft article. And as we're going through all the names, it's like, dude, I'm going to have to turn this into two different articles. There's too, much, there's too much here because the potential for next year's draft class is huge. So let's just quickly kind of go over it, Ryan. And, and we're going to talk about the guys that we kind of view as potential first round picks and a couple wild card guys or you know how this year is going to impact it and you start to see that this this could end up being if notre dame is good this year the way the ty- 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 kind of team we think they're going to be they're going to have the most guys picked since the early 90s which the the most brian kelly ever had was nine and that was a year ago which was a good draft cut. nine's a lot i mean that, i think they tied for third i think ohio state and georgia both had 10 i think is the, is the only ones that were ahead of them last year so nine is a lot And they've had some sixes and a seven, but they haven't had more. You know, I think next year's class has a chance to be even bigger than that. So let's kind of go over that, Ryan. Let's preview the 2000 potential 2023 draft. And I think there's two guys at the very top that have to be part of the conversation. And the first one is Michael Mayer, the tight end. Now, I don't think it's going to be a a a, a given that that he's going to be perceived as the number one tight end as we're already seeing with some of these people that like that obsess over eric gilbert for some strange reason but michael mayer to me if i just i have a hard time looking at anyone right now and saying i'm going to take you seriously if you don't have michael mayer projected as a first round pick next year yeah i mean he he hits every threshold that you would want at
2: the position right he's Six four and a half. He's two hundred fifty plus pounds. He's got a little bit of length to him. He's incredibly physical. I mean, I saw a picture of him when he was still at Covington Catholic. Brian, I never seen his picture before. Like this kid looked like almost an NFL player when he was in high school. Man, like it was pretty insane. So he's obviously got a frame to be that type of dude. He's got a big catch radius. He wins above the rim. Physical, physical player, both at after the catch and before the catch. And you see big flashes in the run game. So I think that you could honestly you can honestly have a conversation with someone about Kyle Pitts for a second and say like, yes, Kyle Pitts is the best receiving tight end that we've saw come out in some time. But you could also say that Michael Mayer might be the best all around tight end that might may, may be coming around in some time. Cause he just does everything so well. So yes, I agree. And and people are going to bring up Eric Gilbert and they're going to bring up, you know, there's a couple Utah kids next year and there's, you know, we're going to be the miscellaneous players, but Michael Mayer is the best all around tight end in college football. And for a team in Notre Dame that has historically produced the tight end position as well as anyone NFL draft wise. I mean, they have had, he just had the best season that a Notre Dame tight end has ever had in terms of yards catches and touchdowns. So I think that he is the number. I I would say that he and Foskey, which I know we're going to talk about next. They're the guys that I look at in Notre Dame and I say, those guys could be top half of the first round type of players, like somewhere in the top 16, 20 picks like somewhere there. I think it's safe for the guy like Michael Mayer because I just think that he is, I mean, he's been ready to go to the NFL since almost his freshman year. Like, he was such a good player. Yeah. I, think, I think he could have competed in the NFL after his freshman year. Like, not saying he would have been the player he's going to be next year, obviously, because there's development that needs to happen. But this kid is, he's the real deal, man. He's the mm-hmm. real deal. Top tight end in college football.
0: We're driven by the search for better.
1: My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out trade coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you, and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife, or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts, and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And for Irish Breakdown listeners, right now Trade Coffee is offering up to $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. To get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and start your journey to perfect Irish. Cup. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $20 off your first three bags. I think the thing for me, too, that I like that makes me feel like Michael Mayer is going to have a chance to really rise up the draft boards is that he he's the the opposite of what we were referring to earlier when we talked about Kevin Austin is, you know, when Michael's getting interviewed this summer, spring, he's talking about like, I just want to get better. And soon as Coach Parker came in, he starts talking about like, I'm doing this. And then Michael kind of joked. He's like, geez, coach, I thought I was pretty good last year, you know, but he was joking because his next comment was he's like, but that's what I want. I want someone who's going to come in. And push me and say, yeah, okay, you were good last year, but you need to be better. You can be better. And and I think that that, that was Jared Parker walking in and saying, I need to make a statement. And, this, and if you walk in and you look at your best player, an all-American caliber player, and you say, that's not good enough, that sends a statement to the rest of your roster, the rest of your depth chart that says... If Michael's going to get criticized for how he played, you know I'm going to get criticized. So I better step up and hear what coach is saying and start to work to get better. But the the more important thing is Michael embraced it. And when I've talked to people, you know, that that are connected to the program in some way, shape, form or fashion, they say that that wasn't just interview talk, that Parker is constantly pushing. and And I say pushing and challenging. I'm talking about from a coaching standpoint, right? That's what you should be doing. And that Michael wants it. He wants to be better. And I've heard this spring that he has been an absolute monster for Notre Dame. Like, I mean, people are saying, I mean, you should hear the things that people at Notre Dame are saying about Michael Mayer. And it's it's not, look, I hope, one, John, the people that I talk to are, that I listen to, that I would actually feel comfortable repeating what they're saying are not people that tell me everybody's awesome, right? Like, I don't listen to those people. I listen to them, but I don't, I don't take what they say with a grain of salt that when you hear the word uncoverable it's exactly what we saw in the spring game i mean he's dj brown has perfect was it no it was clarence lewis has perfect coverage on michael and he just snatches it like it's nothing so to me i do think the the production is obviously there already he's already broken every notre dame receive single season receiving record if his game improves especially as a blocker I think there's no question. Not only is going to be a first round pick, he could be a top half of the draft. I'm sorry, Michael Mayer right now is a better player than TJ Hawkinson was coming out of Iowa, in my opinion. Projects oh, yeah. to, be, excuse me, projects to be a better player than what TJ uh, Hawkinson uh, was especially when they were sophomores like it's no right. no that's why I'm say like projects to be what he was as a top 10 pick so I'm not saying he's better right now than TJ was in his last year at Iowa I'm looking at their relative careers and then you project him I think he's going to be a better player than TJ Hawkinson was now will you know the two Iowa guys not playing well hurt Michael Mayer no because most NFL teams aren't that dumb and you know especially when you get past 13 14 15 you start looking at better organizations that don't often pick in the top 10. So I, I definitely think Michael Mayer is going to be a high draft, barring injury or, you know, obviously something bad happening. and you never know, yeah. but hopefully he's, that doesn't happen, but he's going to be a first round pick. Next year. I, I, I know, I know the
2: mock draft that you were talking about, they were talking, they were talking about in the thread. And I, I saw the same thing you messaged me yeah. this morning about the speed concerns. Do you have athletic concerns with Michael Mayer? I don't. Right. And I watched, right. I watched more clips of his highlights this morning, just to be like, no, I, I'm 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 not worried about his athleticism at all. Personally, that's just me, though. I don't know.
1: Right, right. Yeah, when I hear people talk about his at uh, his speed, it's like speed relative to what? You know what I mean? Like what what relative to Kyle Pitts? They're completely different players, and it's like saying I'm I'm worried about you know uh, Derek Henry's agility compared to you know. Tyree, Tyree killer. So, I mean, you know, some player that has that plays a completely different game than him. And it's just, it's some of the stuff you read and it it is just silly in my opinion, just absolutely silly. And so I just, uh, you know, some of the stuff I just look at Ryan and I just kind of got to shake my head sometimes, but every other mock draft has had him going no lower than like 25th, which I think is reasonable. I mean, I think I think he'll be higher, but like twenty fifth for a tight end. I mean, Tyler Eifert had two back to back great years, and he went like what twenty first, twenty second, something like that. You know, because tight end isn't isn't a position that you necessarily are going to see, unless it's a, a freaky guy like a Kyle Pitts. You're usually not going to see tight ends get picked that high, like you know, top five to seven. And so I could see him falling out of the top ten just be, for similar reasons that Kyle Hamilton did, positional value. But he's to me, he's gonna be coveted. And here's another thing: you have no off-the-field concerns with Michael Mayer. None. And and so that's another thing to factor in when you're looking at some of those other comparisons, in my opinion. There's another gotta,
2: guy, yeah. You gotta Go think ahead. that he's gonna test really well too, as far as like the one thing that surprised me about Michael Mayer is I thought for as big as he is, I mean he's over 250 pounds already, is only going, going into his junior year. But man, I thought he changed direction really well. Like he runs routes, and incre- I, I would
1: be not, I would be very surprised if he doesn't run a really good short shuttle, three cone. Like right. I think
2: he changes direction really. I mean, well.
1: he makes guys miss. I mean, we've seen him how many times make guys miss. Like I, I don't I don't you're like they act like he's like some lumbering straight ahead tight end, and I I don't see that. I I think that's to me. I, I'll just be honest. I think that's lazy analysis because you don't see him get the ball thrown to him a lot. that's a usage problem. There's been plenty of times we've seen Michael Mayer get the ball and run, and so yeah, that guy that guy can run for that size, right? And so I just felt it was honestly somebody trying to like I don't know maybe take a stance that's unpopular to create conversation, maybe perhaps, or someone who just uh, looks for the wrong things and doesn't understand their own bias when they're evaluating things. There could be a lot of different reasons, but it was a bad it was a bad mock. But it, it's it was an outlier. Every other one is had him pretty i've seen a couple that had him in the top 10 and again i put zero like very little value in, other than they're they're fun conversation starters is what mocks are at this time of the year because you never know what's going to happen right i know you like last year you had carson strong going really high well how how can you know that he's going to have a degenerative knee problem that 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 comes up a year later that people are not going to want to take a chance on him for you know and yeah, so right. which then creates problems with his game that weren't didn't that exists before there's all things like that can always pop up and And you you just, you can't force like I'm going to foresee. I love Carson Strong's film, but uh, you know, I mean, he's going to, you know, it's just part of the, part of the deal. It's just part of the deal. So anything other than anything like that coming up, I see Michael Mayer being picked high. Another guy that I think has a chance to be a high draft pick next year is Isaiah Foskey. I, there's a chance he could have snuck into the first round this year if he would have come out, if he would have tested well, I, I think probably late first second round pick. Next year, it's not it's not as deep of an edge class as this one was, with another year of production under his belt. Again, assuming he stays healthy, this is a situation where, you know, he's a guy that's that's gonna that's gonna have a chance to be a very high pick, and I think he actually has a higher ceiling in the draft than Michael Mayer. Not necessarily because he's a better or worse player; it's just the positional value. So, a big year from from Isaiah Foskey, coupled with you know, him going out and, and putting up good numbers and, from a testing standpoint. I mean, we saw Trayvon Walker go from a, you know, I would say, would you say it's fair to say that Trayvon Walker's draft projection going into this off season was similar to what maybe Foskey's would have been coming into this year's draft, like, you know, late first, early second. Yeah. Then yeah, what happens, he goes to the combine and he blows it up. Yeah. Right. And all, all a of a sudden, right. sudden he's number one pick, you know, and so Foskey can have way more production and if he can test well, and, and the other thing too is a lot like Michael Mayer. Part of the reason Michael Fos- or Isaiah Fosky came back is he he knows his game can and needs to get better, and with the, especially an emphasis on on being a better run defender, and advancing his pass rushing moves. Isaiah or Isaiah had like two moves last year. He had this the power move, and then he had the quick jab, and then you know outside move. He didn't really have a third move, and his second move wasn't even really used that much. He just was so much better than everyone he went against week after week after week. That he was able to still put up big time numbers, and, and I was watching USC game the other night, Ryan. And, and there's, I mean, just his first sack comes off the edge, beats the kid off the edge with the speed, gets his inside arm, just rocks the kid back because he's super long. As he's driving the the tackle back, he takes his right arm and swipes the ball out of Keaton Slovis' hands. There's going to be a lot of film like that on him next year. Tied for the national nation lead in in uh, in forced fumbles this year. And some of them were huge. I mean, the Cincinnati force fumble was a game changer. I mean, Notre Cincinnati's driving about to go up 20, at least 20 to nothing, maybe 24 to nothing ball game. Instead, they get the strip sack. Drew White picks it up, runs it back. Notre Dame punches it in, and all of a sudden a seven a potential twenty-four-nothing game turns into a 17-7 game. That allowed Notre Dame to somewhat get back in the game for five minutes. But it was a big moment. You look at the Oklahoma State game. Cowboys are getting ready to put the game away in the fourth quarter, and he has that huge strip sack. Not strip sack. He ripped it out of a guy that was running, and it allows gives Notre Dame a last bit of life. So I could see him, if he continues to grow as a player, and test well of being a, a potential top ten pick next year. And we haven't seen a Notre Dame defensive end go in the first round. You and I were talking about this yesterday. Since Ronaldo win, I think, in, is in either 98 or 99. It's been a long time. That's going to help Notre Dame on the recruiting trail a ton. If Isaiah Foskey can be a high pick next year, just like having Kyle Hamilton help them get Peyton bone and, and a Don Schuller, they're already recruiting the end. Well, if they can have a guy like Foskey out and be a first round pick, you know, things could get really, really interesting moving forward.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love the Ronaldo win thing for a second, man. I was like, well, flashback to the Washington Redskins team, right. With uh, Clinton Portis and all those dudes back in the day. So yeah, now it, it's so the thing about Isaiah Foskey is when you're evaluating the edge position, which obviously he plays, defensive ends, you know, I, I think you can do things as a stand-up. But, like, he's a majority 4-3 defensive end, hand-in-the-dirt type of player. I mean, for the defensive end position, we always talk about unteachables a ton from the scouting side of everything, right? So it, this is a – you can't teach six-five-two-sixty that frame – that I think, I mean, I, I put into an evaluation on him this morning that I think he could hold another 10 to 15 pounds mm-hmm. easy. Like, he's a clean 260 pounds, long arms. I mean, we're talking 34, 35-inch arms, in my opinion, maybe somewhere in the Trevon Walker type of conversation. So this kid is a true 4'3 defensive end, hand in the dirt, let the shackles go, long arms, incredible body to work with. And then he is a really, really explosive player. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would say he's the most – bendy player of all time Mm -hmm. but he is he has got the first step and the explosiveness to really threaten the outside track and that's going to leave you up for the ability to like you said he's got the he's got the stab rip right now working a little bit but let's add a club rip let's add some inside moves let's add the counter game to the to the arsenal he's got he it's 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 evolving right i think the one Mm -hmm. thing that we need to remember with isaiah foskey is a lot of programs are recruiting him as a tight end coming out of high school right at day la salle so it wasn't even like he was this – I mean, I, I I just did some research, Brian. Like, he was a 200-something recruit by most publications. Like, he wasn't yeah. a guy that was, like, this top 100 Most people end. projected
1: him to be a def- a tight end. It was Notre – Clark Lee and Notre Dame are the ones that convinced him to play defense. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, so I, I think that when you combine all those unteachables with the improvement that he's had over the last couple of years, because, I mean, I think one p- thing that people don't remember is that this was his first year as a starter, right? Right. Like he was a rotational player in 2020. I I think he had like four and a half sacks, five sacks, somewhere in that ballpark as a part-time player. But this is still an evolving player. This is not a finished product, which I think if you're saying this past year, which I agree with, that after his 14 and a half sack, I mean 14 and a half tackle for loss, 11 sack season, that he maybe could have went late first round or early second, which I agree with you. If you're t- talking about him projecting to take that next step, add moves to the arsenal, get even stronger, get even more explosive, then why can't he have an Aiden Hutchinson type of rise? Why can't he be a top mm-hmm. ten pick? I mean, the, the class is going to be a little different next year because
1: there's going to be a couple quarterbacks at the top in theory. That's yeah, that's that's going to be a key. It's going to be a better right. quarterback class. barring injury. It's you've got two top five picks of quarterback most likely next year, right? For sure, right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, but even that, even that kind of considered. Is you
2: have Will Anderson from Alabama, who's a stud. Everybody knows about that. But why can't he be the second guy? Why can't he compete with Miles Murphy from Clemson to be right. the sec defensive end off the board? Why can't right. why can't that conversation happen? I think it can. He has to take a step forward, obviously. But at worst, even if he stays the same, this kid's still a potential first round pick. Right. Like he just has too many tools that people are gonna kind of they're gonna lose their minds over a little bit.
1: I think you brought up Aiden Hutchinson, you know, as a freshman, he had five tackle, 15 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, sophomore, 10 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss. Good season. Got hurt last year in 2020, only had 15 tackles in three games. And then this year he comes out and has 16 and a half tackles for loss and 14 sack in 14 games. And he becomes the number two overall pick. I'm, I'm, you know, you talk about, you know, Isaiah Foskey, not being overly bendy. I will be a little surprised if Isaiah Foskey's numbers don't match or surpass. Aiden Hutchison's in, in most athletic categories. That's just my opinion. And he's definitely going to be longer than Aiden Hutchison. So correct. I, there's no reason with a big year he can't come out and be that. And the, the nice thing is he's going to have other guys around him to take some of that heat off, uh, especially if a guy like Riley Mills can have a breakout. And you know we've talked a little bit about him. This weekend, you and I, and he's another guy that you know is a a potential breakout player. And if he breaks out, it takes a lot of that pressure off of Isaiah Foskey because he's also going to have Jason Adamiola on the inside. And again, when we talk about why did Notre Dame only have two players picked, you look at a guy like Jason Adamiola. He gets drafted this year if he comes out. Now, I don't know if it had been fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. I don't know. He would have been drafted just like Foskey would have been, just like Michael. You know, Michael Mayer would have been if he was draft eligible, but he wasn't even draft eligible just like Jarrett Patterson would have been picked this weekend if he did, if he wasn't, if he did, if he would have come out. So there's I plenty wonder, of guys that were. Huh? I, Go ahead. I wonder, I wonder how high
2: Michael Mayer would have went this year if he was draft eligible after a sophomore year, because I mean, Trey McBride, who I'm a big fan of, but he only went in the fifties as the first tight end off yeah. the board. I I'm
1: curious. I, I, I mean, think it, prob- it's something we'll never know, but. I think if he was draft eligible, he'd have still gone second. I think he'd have been the number one tight end picked, And here's why, because I think it would have been a projection thing because Trey McBride was what, a four year player right? At Colorado state. Yep. I think they would have looked at it and said, this guy's already pretty good. And he's only a sophomore. I think they would have, they would have projected, which is why I'm glad that young guys aren't in the draft. They already do enough projection with three and then I don't want to turn it in the NBA. I hate the NBA. Draft. I used to love the NBA draft. I hate it now because you're like that guy averaged nine points last year and he's third overall pick. Like what, what is going <laughs> on right now? It's funny. Uh, but uh, you know, so, so I think Jason Adam is another guy that now I don't know positional need and size there's some things that say i don't i don't see him barring him just having a monster season and testing really well i don't see him being a first round pick i think his objective next year is to jump into day two round two and Mm -hmm. three yeah and and i think that's going to be the key the talent is there the quickness is there he's really long powerful hands what he needs right now is he he needs to, to do a little better block destruction right he needs to finish at the ball better. I think those are the two things. If is is that equals production. If if the block destruction can become a little bit more consistent, the get off becomes a little bit more consistent. Now, get off meaning not that he doesn't try, but I think sometimes he doesn't time the snap as well as maybe he could. And and he's like, if you go back and look at the sack he had on the first play of the game against USC, he actually got a late jump, but he just beat Mm -hmm. the guy so bad he's still able to make the sack. That's how talented Jason is, right? And so, if he can just continue to kind of take that final step. I wonder if sitting out this spring is going to help him and and this may sound crazy, but Jason's had a million reps. He doesn't need more spring reps. I wonder how him sitting back and just watching guys play, watching coach Washington coach, watching Al golden coach, listening to things they're teaching other players might not help him see the game a little bit differently. Like, Oh, okay. Like, you know what? Like if I do this, then I can, you know, I I think it could help him. I really do. And, and yeah, Knowing Jason, he's not the kind of kid that's going to be sitting back, starting up random conversations, not paying attention to practice. He's going to be locked in. Mm-hmm. So as long as he's healthy and, and the production improves, I, I think he's another guy with a chance to be a, a, a at, at the very worst early day three pick. But I think he's a guy that'll have a chance, again, especially if Notre Dame is really good next year, yeah. a chance to be a, a a day two guy at some point.
2: The NFL loses their minds over interior rushers, right? right. Like they lose their mind over that right now because you'll ask any quarterback in the NFL who's playing in the NFL, they'll say they'd rather deal with edge pressure than interior pressure. That's 100%. Just, yep.
1: That's not NFL quarterbacks. That quarterback's at any level. True. True. Fair point. Any level. Yeah. I, yeah. I can, I can, there's so many things I can do as a quarterback against a guy coming off the edge. I can spin mm-hmm. out. I can step up. You know, I can got, I can slide him. A guy coming right in my face, there's nowhere for me to go. Right. And it's like, there's nowhere for me to go, and he's and he's going to get on me quicker than a guy from over there is. Sure. So is, yeah. you're 100 right, and and yeah. th- it's like because I was going to ask you about this, Ryan. There was only five D tackles considered like ranked, you know, guys viewed as D tackles, pure interior guys were taken in the first uh, was the first five rounds. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that was because you look at a lot of those guys, they weren't, they weren't, there weren't a lot of interior guys that profiled as pass rushers. To your no. point, No, and that's what Jason can bring to the table if his product like he had a lot of pressures last year that didn't end in sacks which I don't know if NFL teams care as much about sack numbers it's the consistency of can you get off to the quarterback more effectively can you finish when you're there that's more of what I care about is there were times where he was there and he should have finished but didn't and if he can improve that the numbers are going to jump because it's not so much he's got to have 10 sacks it's the can he consistently collapse the pocket up the middle and there's going to be times this year where Jason's going to be cut coming off against a tackle and a five technique. That's what he did on the first sack against USC. They were actually in a three down front. He was lined up in a five technique and beat the right tackle. It wasn't even so. I mean, that kind of versatility is also something because now if you're a three down, if you're a three, four team, you can look at him as a five tech with his body type and his length and all that. So I think that versatility, his the, the ability to fit in as a three technique and a four down but a five technique and a three down is also something that should help Jason next year. I, I think
2: athletically, he's going to really pop for NFL teams, right? Like they're going to look at the type of player that he is, the first step quickness he has, the flexibility. The biggest thing that I think about him, Brian, is is I remember going back to the Alabama game from 2020. He's got such good balance, man. He's got mm-hmm. such good flexibility. Like he just never seems to be on the ground ever. And that's a really good thing for a defensive lineman like that means that you're not getting in bad situations right so he has all the makings of an interior rusher you would like him to see finish a little better i mean that, there's no doubt mm-hmm. about that but like you said the nfl teams are going to be more the nfl teams are more worried about pressure than they are just raw sack numbers like that can right. be very misleading sometimes right. i mean there's there's guys that have gotten big contracts because they have like a 10 sack season. i think of kyler fackrell that play with the Green Bay Packers. He had a 10 sack season. Everyone's like, wow, he's so good. And then they're like, oh, wait, no, he's not actually. He's actually not. They're all cleanup sacks. It's not as translatable. So I think that he has the potential to go somewhere on day two in the perfect world if he takes the next step. He finishes a little better, a little more consistent as far as his block destruction. Like you said, the talent is there because the only big knock that's, well, the one big knock that's going to be on him. He's not the biggest guy in the world, right? He's 280-something pounds, and that's just what he's going to be. I don't want to see him 300 pounds. I think that's going to take the quickness from him. He has to be a true three-tech, a guy that's going to work gaps. He needs to be in a tech-style system. not going to ask him to two-gap. You're going to ask him to take the shackles off and go. So I like him in that instance. I think that he has upside to that degree, but he has to take it up even a bigger step. He took a huge step this past year, but now next year is really where you're going to see him hopefully take that even better step. Could he be one of the best defensive tackles in next year's class? Because we yeah. know that there's going to be Brian Bracy. You like Tyler Davis. I know you mentioned from Clemson a little bit. There's some other guys. That but he's a different type of player
1: for Absolutely. me than Jason. I mean, they're different players. I like him if like you're a team that needs a guy that can come in, provide some size, You know, like be stout against the run, be a decent pass rusher. They're completely different players to me. I think Jason is more of that attack. I need a disruptor. I'm getting after the quarterback. You know, if you're looking for an, an Aaron Darnold type of player, I'm not saying Jason's Aaron. I'm saying like, there's different types of D tackles. There's the team that's looking for Jordan Davis. That team's not going to draft Aaron Donald. The team looking for Aaron Donald isn't drafting Jordan Davis, right? That's, you know, that's kind of where I'm from, but they're, they're different players, but yeah, I agree. He's going to, he's going to have a chance to be as long as, as long as the medicals check out. And, and again, my understanding of the surgery on his shoulder is it's something he could have rehabbed, but both sides, Notre Dame and the Adamiolas, decided, Hey, let's just get it cleaned up. And, you know, he doesn't need the work this spring necessarily. Let's get it cleaned up. And then there's less risk of it becoming an, a, an issue that plagues him during the season. So, and then by the time you get to next year's combine, he's going to be a year removed over a year removed from the surgery. So I, I expect that to not be a problem, but yeah, the, the production's got to get there. Ryan, the consistency of production has got to get there, and this is this first year with a lot of snaps too. That's the other thing. Like he was getting two hundred some snaps a year his first three years, which I still find insane. There was way more opportunities he should have played. He, you know, this so I think that's going to help him a little bit too. And then being able to look, it, there's negatives to not playing this spring. I think one of the positives is Jason's going to be fresh. He doesn't need the. I mean, let's be honest. He doesn't. He's a senior. He's going to be his fifth year guy. He doesn't need the work. Right, I think it's better for the team that maybe he does. It's not good that he had the surgery, but you get the point that I'm making. Like He's not going to miss out because he wasn't out there. As long as he can get the strength back up and all that, I don't care that he didn't practice. And if anything, I think it's better for the team, and it's better for him because, again, he's going to be fresh. He played a lot of snaps last year for the first time in his career. Yeah, I think he's going to be fresh.
2: Well, well, that's the thing about the two defensive linemen that we've talked about, right, is that they're the old guys. They're yeah. the... Guys, that everyone's talking about, they're still only one year starters, each of them. Right. They can both take their game to a much higher level. Right. They are not finished products, which no. I think gives you that hope that projection is still there. I mean, like yeah. Michael Mayer, I think it's still take a huge step forward, but also he's had two years of production. So maybe he does plateau, and, and what he was last year is about as good as he's going to be. I don't think that's the case, but I, I'm just to illustrate the fact that I think guys like Adam Alola. And Isaiah Foskey still have another tier up. Like they're not near their
1: ceilings, in my opinion. There's an. Uh, we're gonna get to Jarrett Patterson in a second, but there's another defensive lineman that I think is another tier two. And the other night, I could not sleep. The other night, Ryan, I had so much going on in my head. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm break down some film. So I popped in some USC film from last year. And I just kept saying to myself, like, there's no way Justin Mule is not going to get drafted next year. Like I'm just watching this kid. I'm thinking. The teams are going to look at him and they're going to be like, that kid starts for a lot of teams. So a lot of teams that kid starts for. The problem for Justin is is he's more of a viper type in his body is more of a viper type, and there just happens to be this dude who could be a top ten NFL draft pick next year playing in front of him. If Jay, if Isaiah Foskey wasn't around, Justin Adamu is going to have ten sacks next year. I mean. That's just the reality of it. And and from what, you know, we're told by different sources, there's a chance they're they're going to try to find more ways to get those two on the field together next year, especially against some of the teams that are a little bit more up-tempo or throw the football. So he's another guy I look at and say, because he has a – he's just – I mean, he's got to finish better at the quarterback too, but he has a knack for winning. And, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's long. He's longer than he is tall. You know, he's 250, He's not, again, not huge. He's a guy that's an edge player, but we've seen him drop into coverage. We've seen him line up at middle linebacker in different looks and move and jump on into coverage. So, you know, that three, four outside linebacker role, I think would fit him very well in the NFL. And he's a guy that has phenomenal hands as a pass rusher. And, and if he can kind of take that jump this year, don't be shocked if he's not picked next year, too, as a, as a day three guy. in in an earlier day three guy because again what are NFL teams looking for I mean Zach Benito can do one thing rush the quarterback and he went in the second round right Jason Adam Justin Adam has already shown me that he can do more things better than Zach Benito if he can show me that he can rush the quarterback
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Nick Benito excuse me Nick Benito Mm -hmm. if he can show me that he can rush the quarterback at, at at somewhat similar level There's going to be teams that are going to be looking for him, even even though he may not be a starter next year. Because, like I said, Nick Benito, I watched his film, Ryan, and he can do one thing. I mean, they drafted him to do one thing. In the second round, they drafted him to do one thing, rush quarterback. Mm -hmm. Justin Adamuel can do a lot more than one thing. And he brings, he plays with a motor. He is a, when he, in the ball, that's a hungry, hungry dude, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder. So, my bold prediction for next year is that Notre Dame has three defensive linemen get drafted. I'm not saying where, but they'll have three. I think Foskey and both Adamiolas end up getting drafted next year. That's my prediction. It's my bold prediction. If, Am I nuts? What, what, no, it's not nuts. I
2: mean, and and then the next question is, and I know we'll probably talk about that in a little bit, is what if Riley Mills has a massive season and he's on that conversation list? I, I'm not saying that he would declare, but like,
1: I think he'd probably come back for one more year, just like Isaiah yeah. did. I think I think that here. Here, can I say something else real quick about that yeah. right there? Sure. If Isaiah ends up being a top 10 pick next year, even top 15 pick next year. Combined with what just happened with Kyron and Kevin. I think that's such great evidence for the rest of the players. To say, hey, look, when we tell you, you need another year, trust us. I think that Marcus Freeman also is going to be a, a guy and his staff are going to be people, especially with Al Golden as a defensive coordinator. Hey, look, buddy, I've been in the NFL the last six years. Let me tell you, you got a chance to do something, but right now here's what we need to do for you. I'll just tell you right now: the players trust Marcus Freeman more than they ever trusted Brian Kelly. That's not a shot at Brian Kelly; it's it's just a reality. And if they say, "Hey, look, you need to come back," then they're going there's going to be with especially now with Al Golden, I think It's going to be beneficial. So I think even if let's say let's say Riley has ten sacks this year, it's a heck of a breakout. He's still going to be their third best defensive lineman, and the pitch is going to be: come back next year, be a senior, just like Isaiah did who had, you know, 11 sacks and look what happened to him. He was a borderline first round pick that now just made himself 9 million more dollars. Cause he jumped up 15 spots in the draft. Right. And I think that's what we would see him do. And I think that, that, but I think part of that is like, if Foskey ends up, let's say he doesn't have a good year and he gets drafted lower then it could have the opposite effect. But right. I think, I think, I think if Foskey does what we think he's capable of combined with what we just saw from Kevin Austin and Kyron Williams, they're going to have a two-year window where players are going to be a little bit more, okay, coach, I trust you (laughs) when they say you need to come back. So, uh, you know, those are, those are kind of where, where I'm at for that one. So I, I think those three guys are, are going to get picked in my opinion. I, I mean,
2: to your point, the NFL values pass rush so high. So Justin Adam Alola, that with the hand uses he has and the plan that he has as a pass rusher, I think that NFL teams are going to value that tremendously. Probably a late round pick is like I don't. I don't think that he's a guy that is going to test tremendously well. I don't see him being that guy that's going to jump off the screen in that department. But Brian, could you imagine if Who's you this? could? Who are you talking about? Justin alone. Yeah, Justin. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine if you could kind of combine him and Isaiah Foskey? That is a number one overall pick. If you give Isaiah just kind of the hand usage and the consistent plan, that would be just about the
1: feel, right? The advance feel. The nuances. The nuances of the pass rush. Yeah, That's a great point. If Isaiah wants to improve his game, just watch more Justin. I mean, really. I mean, think about that. Because that's something that – Mike Elson did a lot of great things in their name. This this is not a, oh, he's gone now, let's bash him. No, uh, nothing but respect for Mike Elson. But the one thing he never did, he never really taught anything advanced from a pass rushing move. It was very controlled. There was like, you know, two things. Like Notre Dame's players as good as any in the country at getting leverage, getting that hand up and driving a guy back. They were great at that. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't ever a counter off of that or very, very few. The Adamiolas have a have a few more pass rushing moves because they came in with some of that and they have a they have a guy they work with in the offseason that would teach them those advanced things. Al Washington is go, is my understanding is teaching more advanced stuff. And I think that's gonna be a huge thing. But yes, you are correct. If Isaiah Foskey could kind of adopt some of the things that and and I'll, I'll say something else. Isaiah plays hard. I think there's another level for him to get to. This isn't a thing like, oh, he's he's inconsistent, takes place off. I I would never say that Isaiah takes place off, but I think in year in year two as a starter, maybe he realizes there's still another gear for me. And mm-hmm. I think that's where having a guy like Jason, Justin Adamiola can can be key. Is if 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 you see him like, man, this this cat, if these guys are getting to the quarterback, right? If Jason's getting to the quarterback, Justin's getting the quarterback, Ryan's getting the quarterback, if Isaiah wants his. You know what? I better I better step up, and I think that's a good thing. I think that kind of internal competition brings out the best in everybody. Hey Isaiah, if you want to have fifteen sacks this year, you you better take your game to another level because Jason is closer to the quarterback than you are, and Riley's doing this, and Justin's doing this, and you know, I it could make it really fun. I mean, it, I'm not going to yeah.
2: If I was Coach Washington, I would tell uh, I would tell Isaiah, go watch the Marcus Ware film. I want to see that fake spin get pulled out in a game, man. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? a little, mm-hmm. whoop, and then mm-hmm. outside track move. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, body type-wise, I was trying to think of comparisons, Brian, for Isaiah Foskey, and I was just like, you know, Maybe a Chandler Jones, maybe a Demarcus mm-hmm. Ware, like that that's what type of body that kid has, man. Right. Like just some freakish length to him. Well,
1: because you asked me, you say, How tall is Isaiah Fosky? And I'm like, uh listed at six five. Why? And then you showed me the picture of him with Eli and Peyton. And he's like head to head, like you know, with both of them, with his big old arms wrapped around both of them in a picture. And you're like, Yeah, he's 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 legit. And Clark Lee told out. me that. I I interviewed Clark Lee a couple years ago, and he was talking about this is when Isaiah was coming into Notre Dame. and He's like he said, you know, we had this kid, I loved this film, but, you know, we hadn't, I hadn't met him yet. You know, I think, I think Elson had been out there and met him, but like Clark hadn't met him. He came in for a visit and he said, and the kid walks through my, through my office and he's got like, his sho- shoulders are so broad. It's like, he's almost touching both sides of the door. He's yeah. like, and he's like, that's what an NFL football player is supposed to look like. I mean, and, and he's absolutely right. Now, Isaiah was just raw. Right. He was a kid that was played at a system at Concord de La Salle where it's like you're just gonna kind of do you're you're gonna fit into the system and all that. And they had, you know, had to convince he's a tight end and all. I mean, it was a huge coup by Notre Dame to get him and then also convince him he's a defensive lineman because they're not getting him if he's a tight end. If he's a tight end, he'd have gone somewhere out west. But they convinced him he's a defensive lineman. It was it was a stroke of genius. And now he's gonna but this is also why you don't redshirt guys like him. He played four games in twenty nineteen. Why? That guy's not a five year player, right? So right, you could have got right. more out of him, but you know, whatever. It is what it is. So he's got a chance. I want to, I want to bring up the super chat real quick from Christopher Morgan. Thanks, Christopher. Just started my ten day birthday vacation today. No question today from me, except four hundred six people watching and only eighty six likes. Hit that thumbs up, people. Uh, agree with that. And happy birthday week. It's actually my birthday's coming up next week as well. So, uh, trying to do a couple planned things for that, but haven't heard back from some people so we'll see how that goes but I want to talk about Jarrett Patterson Ryan because I think Jarrett Patterson would have had it would have had a chance next year to be a first round draft pick definitely a day two guy if nothing changed at Notre Dame the fact that he's now going to get coached by Harry Hestand and, and, and Chris Watt but mainly Harry Hestand this next year to me as long as he's healthy yep I could definitely see Jarrett Patterson being the the number one center in the draft next year and number one centers more often than not do get picked in the first round yeah right would you say that's fair
2: so i mean i mean we we saw we saw this past draft obviously linderbaum went in the first round the cole strange kid from chattanooga was the 29th pick Mm -hmm. by the knowing the Patriots, although he played guard, mostly at Chattanooga. He also mm-hmm. played center down in mobile. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, usually you see at least one center taking the first round. If not,
1: it's a very second round type of pick. Cause if you go back to 2013, let's go actually go back to 2010. Pouncy went in the first round the next year. There was no first, there was nobody taken, but the centers were like, Stefan was Rodney Hudson, right? Jason Kelsey, Kelsey went in the sixth round, right? So next year, nobody in the first round, but again, no names you would recognize. Travis, Travis Frederick went in the first round the next year. Weston Richmond was the highest guy picked at 43 the next year, just out of the first round. Cameron Irving goes 19 that next year. Ryan Kelly goes sixteenth the next 18th the next year. Ethan Posick is the number one center pick the next year at 58. Again, not a great center class. The following season, there's two centers taken, and they went back-to-back. Frank Ragnall from Arkansas and Billy Price from Ohio State. The next year, Garrett Bradbury goes in the first round, and Eric McCoy from A&M goes 48th. Cesar Ruiz goes round one the next year. Last year, Landon Dickerson went 37th just outside the first round. If it's not for him completely destroying his knee in the SEC title game, he's a first-round pick. Would you agree yeah. with that? He, The yeah. only reason he fell to 37 was because of the knee injury. And then, of course, this year, Tyler Linderbaum, who I think f- – compares favorably to Jarrett Patterson from a style of play standpoint, Ath- more athletic than a mover, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. kind of guy. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities there. I could, I could certainly, and again, Cesar Ruiz was the 24th overall pick 18th Badbury, you know? So, I mean, they're, they're, they're going from like 15 to, to 31 is kind of that range. I don't see him jumping into the top 20, but I could definitely see him being late twenties into the 31, 32 range if he's able to be healthy, because he's been a good player for a long time. I think yep. having Harry stand gives him an opportunity to be the best version of himself, which, let's be honest, that's the only reason he came back this year, because Jared Patterson this year would have been a day-two pick. Now, his injury happened after he declared to come back. So it's not like he came back because of an injury. The injury happened later. Right. To me, there's no doubt, in my opinion, I could be completely wrong on this, that he's a day-two pick if he comes out this year.
2: I I would even take it one better. I mean, obviously day two, we're talking about second and third round. I I would find it hard to believe that he would fall out of the second round because there just was not a center after Linderbaum this year where you were like, Yep, that's a dude because Patterson went back to school. I I did like the kid from Nebraska though.
1: But he only played I don't I don't like him. Potential wise, potential wise. But here's the thing, right? He's been playing offensive line for two years. Sure. That's it. You you drafted him off potential. Why did, but here's my point. I'm trying to mm-hmm. back up your point. Yeah. I liked Jergens' potential, but here's why Jergens went that high because there was nobody else. To, you, you, so you took a flyer on a kid with upside because mm-hmm. there was nobody else like Jarrett Patterson. And then Luke Fortner's a n- nice player. I actually like Zach Tom, but again, he was drafted where he should have been drafted fourth round, yeah. right? There was nobody with Jarrett Patterson's experience plus talent that you take in the second round, which is why the Eagles were in a situation where they had to take a a, a flyer on a kid that that's got a lot to prove, but has a lot of talent. That was my, so my point was to back up what you're saying is that's why he's the second center off the board, because it was not a great center class. And so I do think Jarrett would have been, I'm just trying to be realistic, you know, day two, but now with a year under, with Harry under his belt, as long as, as long as the injury heals up, he's going to have a chance to be a very high pick. So now we've talked about three guys that we believe right now have legitimate chances to be top first-round picks for Notre Dame next year and a couple other guys on the defensive line who we think will hear their name called. The big wild card for me, let's talk about this one, Ryan, the big wild card in next year's draft, and then we're going to talk about uh, Brandon Joseph after that. The big wild card for me is, is Cam Hart. He is a really big question mark because he would have got drafted this year if he came out in my opinion. I don't it would probably been day 3, would you agree with that? He's probably day 3 pick, just not enough film and consistent all that. Sure. And the shoulder injury, as long as the medicals check out, right? Cuz I always get nervous with shoulder injuries. As long as the medicals check out next year, if he can become a more consistent player from a technique standpoint and he tests the way that I'm told he's going to test, He's a guy that is could definitely be day two, but with the right kind of year, especially if the pass rushers are what we think they're – because that's what – it all plays on each other. If Foskey and, and the Adamiolas and Riley Mills all play better, guess what? That's going to be more chances for Cam Hart to make more plays. But I'm watching him against USC, and I'm like – he's like – I mean, he's sticking on Kyle Ford like it's nothing. Like Kyle Ford's running in quick – like in, in cement shoes. He's just moving so effortlessly. And then, of course, the next play, he'll kind of get too turned and have to stop and all that. It's a consistency thing. But he's another guy that if he tests really well, you're talking about a six-two and a half guy that if he can run in a low 4'4s or high 4'3s is going to be a really high draft pick. Because I think the film next year – the film this year was good. At times great. At times that guy looks like he's only been playing corner for a year and a half. (laughs) Right? I mean, is that fair? Right? Uh, but now next year with continued better coaching, I mean, look, Mike Mickens and Marcus Freeman just put two guys in the first four rounds of the draft. I mean, Mike Mickens recruited Ahmed Gardner, coached him as a freshman, freshman All-American, third team All-American as a true freshman. I was with Mike Mickens coaching him. You know, we saw what he did with Nick McLeod. We saw what he did with Cam Hart in his first year. I'm, I'm excited to see what Cam Hart could do in this draft if he's able to be healthy and continue to become a more consistent player.
2: NFL teams go insane for length of the cornerback position, like absolutely just drool over it. But then when you combine the the length that he has with the thought that he's going to run very fast, that's a different conversation. Those guys go early. I mean, what Carlton Davis played at Auburn. I don't know if you remember him, Brian, the corner that's Mm -hmm. now with Tampa Bay, and he was a good player. He ran like 4-5 low, like 4-5-2 or 4-5-1. And he had pretty decent film at Auburn, but like he didn't locate the ball that well, but he had length and he had decent speed and everyone's like second round pick. And the NFL was right apparently on that, right? I mean, those are, that's how people match up to those freak shows that we're seeing at wide receiver. You know, the Julio Jones of the world and DeAndre Hopkins and these guys, right? Like that's why you need that length and that athleticism. And he has it in bounds. And I actually think that he, changes direction pretty well for his size too because that would be a thing that you would kind of look at him and say he's a little bit of a high cut kid long he's not going to change directions that well I think he. I think it's sufficient I don't think it's bad and then the one thing the major thing that I took away from watching him this you know a little bit this offseason is for a guy that's only been playing corner a couple years and has only started for one year he's very physical in the run yeah. game for a guy that is that young. Like, you don't actually yeah. see that convert turn into a really plus player in the run game. I mean, against screens, he
1: blows things up. And he's screens. still learning to tackle. I mean, the perfect example right. is the play against Virginia Tech. He kind of got caught like, okay, do I lay him out? Do I form? And then he just kind of – like, if, <laughs> if that's the only play you saw, you're like, oh, former receiver. But you're – absolutely. I mean, you see him come up on screens and quick throws. He's an aggressive kid. He's a physical kid. And the thing is, Ryan, I don't think – I. I, I I think there's some things out there too that that if he can still be that player that you talked about this year after having shoulder surgery right. that's going to be important too like he can't take a step back from that because of the shoulder so that that'd be another thing but I I think what a lot of fans don't un maybe don't appreciate cuz he's so long he is really fast really fast there's a play and i'm trying to was it the florida state play where like kyle hamilton's running and then like from behind you see like cam Hart that like right past him? there's yep. times on some of those plays you're like this dude can freaking scoot and i don't think people understand it because he's so long right like that's the difficult thing like it's hard to see a six two corner because he just he eats up space. It almost looks like he's not even running and next thing you know he's like he's running with a guy so i, I think that's something too if because some people may have like been taking like wait hold on cam hart low four fours high four threes yeah yeah he's already running four fours in notre dame right what's he gonna do when he gets two months to prepare with a specialist trying to train yeah. him to run as fast as possible so you know it, it, he i think he's gonna he's gonna test i think really 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 well i could be yeah. wrong but i i think he will and I, I the think length he w- is absurd the length, the speed, and then also
2: the wide receiver background, the team's gonna like that a lot too, right? Teams are mm-hmm. gonna love that, they're gonna be like, Oh, ball skills inherent. And I think that he needs to, you know, get more comfortable playing in phase and using those ball skills more appropriately. Yes. But they're there. Like you can see it's still there. It's just he's not a hundred percent
1: comfortable all the right. time you know kind of turning and because it's different it's just a little different yeah that's going to be the key for him this year ryan is he's got to show that he has made in a jump in that regard like he can't just be the same guy next year he was this year he's got to show a jump in those areas and I, I think he will i think cam's gonna have a chance to really shoot up draft boards and 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 be a good player and again high character good student great kid great personality comes from a great family uh, the, the, all the boxes are going to check with cam too. Whereas uh, you just look like one of the top draft targets for next year's draft just got arrested again today. You know, the kid from Alabama, right? So you're, Alliance, you're not going to, yeah. you're not going to have those issues with cam. You're going to be like, wow, great kid works hard. You know, was willing to move from one position to another and, you know, didn't whine about it, complain about it, just did what he did, worked hard, did this, that, and the other, you know, sat the bench for a couple years, didn't get a lot of playing time as he was making the transition, didn't complain, didn't cry, didn't jump in the transfer portal. Kid put into work, and he worked hard at his craft. And now look at him; he's done this. All those things are going to check for Cam, and I think that's going to help him too. Because look, not that the NFL is going to be afraid to draft a guy because of lack of character, hence Sam Williams being picked as high as he, he did, and some other guys that were picked in the draft. But at the end of the day, if a kid checks the physical boxes and he's a good kid, it's going to help. It doesn't hurt. It's you know, it. it but it's it's going to help, in my opinion. So. That's the well, other that, factor, that, I mean,
2: you just had to turn on the Wisconsin film, right? Like, I, I think one of the, the interceptions that that Cam Hart had was a little bit of a give me, but that one it was either a slant or an in route where it was he in, ran it was the route. Yeah. yeah, it was in cut and he ran the route for the. Rec- I mean, that that stuff is just not normal, man. Like, that's not ordinary stuff because mm-hmm. then you're looking at that and you're like, not only did he change direction really well, and he re- obviously he read the route incredibly well. But the fact that he's six foot two and a half doing that, like that's different stuff, right. man. Well, I think when when I think he sees the game pretty well when he's you know got his eyes back, right? Like when he's in zone. But I'm talking about when he's in man and he's we're working vertically, working down the field a little bit. If he's able to locate the football better and then unlock those ball skills, sky's the limit for Cam Hart. He's got mm. the he's got the he's got starter upside on the next level just for that length and athleticism alone. Like it's all there for him.
1: Yeah. So let's—that's just guys that played at Notre Dame this year, right? And we wanted to go with them first to kind of point out, like, folks, like, look, if if all the guys left that could have left Notre Dame's draft class would have been at least double, more so. I mean, that's we just mentioned three guys: Jason gets drafted, uh, I think Jared gets drafted, I think Isaiah gets drafted, and I think Cam would have got drafted. That's four guys right there, right? And and so. If, I, if Avery Davis doesn't get hurt, he probably leaves and he might have a shot to get drafted because I, I, he's another guy that's going to test a lot better than people think. He's a 4-4 four, four guy, production, et cetera, et cetera. He may be around six or seven guy and he's a guy that's played corner and other things. So, you know, you bring that special teams ability to the table. Brandon Joseph is a guy that's new to the Notre Dame roster, but again, someone who we're seeing a lot of people project as a first round pick in this year's upcoming draft. And so he's a guy that that has a chance to be another player that, it, with a good season, Ryan, a strong season and good testing, could be a guy that that jumps. I expect the film to be there. My only question is, is it just going to be the because I haven't seen him a lot in person. Is going to be the how does he move? You know, test as far as that's going to be my only thing that's going to determine whether you know second round or or first round. Because that's yeah. the thing is when you're when you're not a freak like Kyle Hamilton at safety you've got to have great film and you've got to test pretty well. And we, we saw that this year with like Lewis scene, right. Then he, then he have a pretty good. Uh, oh yeah. He ran four threes yeah. and like a 41 inch vert or something like that. Like crazy numbers. Yep. And he went 32, yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. with a lot of film. Right. So, uh, but anyway, let's talk about Brandon Joseph. Cause I know this is a, this is a guy that you thought could have been with a, with another season like you had in 2020, 2021, you thought yeah. he could have been a first-round draft pick this year. Yeah, I had him in a first-round
2: mock last summer because I was I was infatuated with this film from 2020. I mean, the first thing that pops off is I think he's got really good diagnostic skills. I think he has great eyes on the back end, good range, sufficient everywhere. I actually liked him in the slot a little bit in 2020 as well. I thought he did some nice things in man coverage. But the best thing about Brandon Joseph, in my opinion, is the ball skills are tremendous, man. Like, absolutely. He plays the football in the air, about as well as you can find a safety in college football over recent years. So guy that I have really liked for a couple years now, all of a sudden, but I expect big things from him. I think that he is a kid that, I agree. I don't think he's going to be the greatest tester of all time. I keep comparing him to Jesse Bates. Like, I just keep seeing Jesse Bates every time I see him play. He's got a little bit of that long, a little bit wiry frame. I wouldn't call him skinny, but, like, a little wiry to a degree, right? But Jesse Bates was, like, a four-five something 40-yard dash guy, 35-and-a-half-inch vert somewhere in that ballpark. So he wasn't, like, an outrageous tester. I kind of see a guy like Brandon Joseph closer to that. But for me, like, I just see – incredible football IQ, incredible ball mm-hmm. skills. I think it's all there, man. Like I really, I think he's a true free safety type. Can, has played middle of the field, you know, for for the for Northwestern. He's played in the slot for Northwestern. And we saw at the at when we watched uh the Notre Dame practice, he was for the media availability, he was even playing a little bit in the slot. They were they've got uh three safeties on the field and they put him as, a, as the, as the like, kind of a big nickel type of role for him too. So I think he's got versatility. I think he's got ball skills and the tackling is pretty good for the most part. There are some times where he just plays a little bit out of control, right? Mm-hmm. Angles aren't bad for the most part. They're usually pretty good, but there's just some times where he just seems to be moving a little bit fast. And that, I mean, that's, that's going to be the thing about some guys that see the game so quickly sometimes they're going to be in spots. Maybe they shouldn't necessarily be in right. Because they're just so, intelligent on how to get there but yeah i like brandon joseph a ton i think he can be a potential late first round type of type of safety if not i think he's a safety two type of player if he returns to 2020 form because again those ball skills and that proactiveness on the third level i think that's i mean that's what you want in the safety in the modern game and free safety especially so my
1: question for you ryan is what does he have to do in the offseason next year pro day combine To jump into that round one because as we've seen like safeties are just not a high value position you have to have film plus workout so i don't think he has to do what lewis scene did but what does he have to do in your opinion to kind of jump into that round Uh, uh, on top of great film and great character which he'll have again another guy that checks the character boxes right Mm -hmm. Uh, what what does he have to do in your opinion at the combine on top of having a great year to be a, a potentially first round pick as long as he has film like he did in 2020, like if he's able to get back to that type
2: of film, I don't think that's been anything outrageous. Like I said, I think it's got to be near Jesse Bates caliber film. I know mm-hmm. Jesse Bates went lower than the first round, obviously, but I'm also saying that he has better film already than Jesse Bates mm-hmm. ever had at week So Like it's just a stylistic comp. So I think if he runs somewhere four five to 4.55, 5, 35 plus introvert somewhere in that ballpark and all the short area stuff is just good. Like it doesn't have to be excellent. I don't think this kid has to be an elite tester because I think he's going to win more off of his mind and ball skills than just pure athletic gifts. But if he, I mean, if he goes there at the combine, he runs four, four, seven. I mean, then like, that's a huge check. Like I don't need him to run four three. Like right. a Lewisine did, because Lewis is not a proactive football player near to the degree right. of a Brandon Joseph. He doesn't have the ball skills of a Brandon Joseph. They're different players.
1: Cause you'd count you'd count him as more of an alley guy, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I
2: mean, he could he could play from the roof. He got a little better yeah. there, but like for the most part, that, that guy is a headhunter. Like he wants right. to scream down and he wants to he was to like play that in high big.
1: school too. He was a no, he was sure a bumper in high school. Yeah. He was I liked him a lot coming out of high school. 99 problems bk81 let's jump let's jump into some questions here ryan let's jump into let's wrap this thing up with some questions we have some draft questions a couple recruiting questions we're going to focus mostly on the draft questions but 99 problems with bk81 says james cook being drafted 63rd overall and he never was the guy at georgia can chris tyree have a good enough year to be a second round pick cool uh cook is bigger but not big and Tyree is faster. Let me just say two real quick things in my opinion. Uh, number one, James Cook was a part of that rotation for a few years. He's got, a, he had a lot of production, even though he was never the guy, he had a lot of production and some production and some big games. So I think Chris Tyree needs to have a lot of production this year, but I I, I think they're very different players. James Cook has some receiver in him because of that size. And so I, I just don't know if I think they're comparable players in my opinion, Ryan, what, what say you on that?
2: Now, I was going to say the same exact thing. The difference between James Cook and Chris Tyree is that James Cook was also drafted that high because he has such high impact at receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's a guy that literally played – I mean, there were times where they would flex him all the way outside and just run go-routes with him. Like he's mm-hmm. a different type of cat as far as in the passing game. So I don't think they're exactly comparable in that instance as well. Tyree, I mean, you could you could – I could see a I I could see a vision for Tyree, whether it's next year or the year after, depending whenever he chooses to come out, where he is somewhere in day two. But I think it's more of a the the kid from Texas AM now, the Devon A kid, you know him, Brian, like they're not mm-hmm. pass catching running backs, but they're guys that are just bolts of lightning, right? Like there are guys that are going to take a handoff and they're and if the if if the gap integrity is not sound, they're gonna take it the distance. Mm-hmm. James Cook is different. James Cook is fast, Chris Tyree's faster. But James Cook is, I mean, he could play in the slot. Like everyone kind of always wants to say, like, why don't they use Chris Tyree in the slot? Because he's not a slot comfortable type of player. James Cook is. James Cook can run routes inside. And that's just that makes them just completely different type of evaluation.
1: Agree. Agree. But again, if Chris Tyree can run like we think he's going to run and produce, he'll get drafted. How high? Let's just see him. Let's see him go through a year first and and Produce. I mean, that's the thing with Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph. We've seen these guys produce at a high level. We haven't seen that from Chris yet. I think the tools are there. But if we're going to be honest and objective about the draft, there's a lot Chris Tyree has to show before I start thinking about, you know, can he be James Cook? Because James Cook, like you said, had multiple years of production. Tavis McKay asks, excluding Mayor Patterson, Foskey, and Adam Yola, who would you be most excited for draft stock-wise and how high in the draft could they climb? Let's also take out Brandon Joseph because I, I think we discussed that one a lot. So we we talked about those guys. Who would you be most excited for draft-wise and how high in the draft could they climb? I, I mean, the easy answer is Cam
2: Hart. We already went over mm-hmm. that one a little bit. I mean, though, for me, Ryan, it doesn't really specify if it's 2023 or after. I'm looking forward to seeing how much of a jump Riley Mills takes this year because, again, mm-hmm. I – Will he, would he declare? Probably not. But I'm curious to see if he's the next in line or if he's just a really good college player. Like, is he a guy that at 6'5", 280 plus is the next guy after Isaiah right. Fossey, like you kind of illustrated earlier. So I'm looking forward to seeing what his evaluation looks like after this season, because then it could be an interesting player to, right. to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. But for 2023, it would be camp hard for me.
1: I think Riley for me I expect him to be just a better player next year. Like when I look at him I just, I want to see him just be good next year. I don't need him to be dominant. I don't need him to play like a guy that might come out after this year. I, if he does, that's phenomenal. I just need him to be good. Just be a good dependable player that occasionally flashes, then go show yourself the following year. That that's kind of more of a my projection for Riley Mills. I'd say a guy that I'm when you kind of look at different players and potentially rising up the draft boards and things like that, you know, a guy that I'm, I'm very, very curious, you know, who else I think will get drafted next year. We talk about this. I think Bo Bauer gets drafted next year. You and I talked about this. I, because in round six and seven, they're going to take a guy who's not a starter. I think Bo Bauer is going to run a faster 40 time than some people think. And he's a great special teams player. I could see him getting picked in round six or seven. I I really could. Even if he doesn't start at linebacker next year, I I, I really could see that. But at that same position, I I still think, again, like Riley Mills, I think he's probably a year away from really being in the draft conversation. But I'm really curious if Maris Leuphal can have the kind of year that makes us at least wonder if he has a decision to make after the year that that's one that I'm curious about. I, again, I don't think he could do enough in one year to really go be high enough of a draft pick to come out, but it'd be nice to kind of be a little nervous about that at the end of the year. I mean, those are good problems to have, right? You want to, you want to have those good problems because it tells you that a guy's having a great year, but he's the only other one that I could really think of. I and mean, we talked about the Adam Eolas. I, I, a brain, Lindsay, that's the other one. That's the other one. I hope that a year from now we're talking about where's Brayden Lindsay going to be picked. Yeah. Because we know one thing he's going to test incredibly well in the speed categories. Can his agility numbers be good? Can his testing numbers be good? But I just want to see that he's had a healthy year and that he's become a receiver, right? That's the key for me because he's another guy, Ryan, that look, brain's going to check a lot of the character boxes. There's no doubt about that. He's a good, really good kid goes to class. He's just a really, really good kid but can he check the football boxes that's the thing can he stay healthy can he be a better route runner can he get off the line of scrimmage because at his size if he's not better getting off the line of scrimmage next year th- that's going to really hurt him because they're going to say yeah he's fast but if you can't get off the line you can't use your speed at this level right we're drafting a bunch of six two guys like you know zion McCullum in the fifth round and, and McCullum in the fifth round and cam hearts and guys like that and you're five eleven and a half and you don't know how to get off a of press right now. I think that's going to change because he finally has a position coach, right. That, that knows how to teach those things. And from everything we saw in the spring, Ryan, I mean, you said this to me, I believe it was either you were, you were Vince, but he looks like a completely different kid. I mean, just yeah. physically he has put on good weight. Like he's put in the work. We had an Intel report before the spring that this is that they didn't even recognize Braden Lindsay from a, Not just a a size standpoint, because you still recognize him a receiver. I hope a receiver doesn't get that big. That's a problem. But it's more of a just the attitude. This, does I'm hungry. Like that was some of the. I've had people at Notre Dame question that in the past. He he likes playing. He loves playing football. Does he love football to the degree that he wants to put into work to be the best he can be? That has been completely destroyed since January. I mean, nobody's talking to me about that anymore at Notre Dame. No, and in fact, they're saying the opposite. Like this, he's a completely different kid that's what I wanted to hear because that tells me he, he's going to be in the film room. He's going to be looking at his craft. He's going to be saying, Hey, I'm not good enough here. I'm not good enough there. I need to get better at it. And he was the guy when you, when you were talking and Vince were talking about, or no, Vince was talking about, you know, as when, when Chancey Stucky's up there coaching somebody else up, you can see Braden in the back of the line, like practicing the moves that Stucky's talking about. He's zeroed in, he's locked in, he's eight people behind the coach. But he's back there mimicking him and trying to work on what he's doing you, you gotta love that you gotta love that because that's the potential that i think a guy like brayden Lindsay has because the speed and the big playability is going to be there and man if he can if he can have a breakout year two if we're talking about him being a potential drafted guy next year that means this offense is going to be really good really yeah. good he could be that key because we know styles we know avery davis we know mayer if we're talking about Avery Day, Br- Brain Lindsey being a guy that could get drafted next year, we just got done having a really fun year covering Notre Dame football. There's no doubt about it, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I'd like to mention Amaris Loifau to start, but I think Brayden Lindsay's is a really interesting evaluation because we see every single year now there are these gadget-type players who get drafted very highly. I mean, Tutu Atwell last year, Wondell Robinson in the second round this year. There's guys every single year. And I think even when you compare him to obviously Wondell Robinson took his game to a completely different level as far as a receiver and a hundred catches final year, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he had, he had a crazy <laughs> year, but I mean, go look at Tutu Atwell's last year at at, at Louisville. He only mm-hmm. had like forty something catches for like six hundred something yards. Like he was not a great player. So if Brayden Lindsey can get his production near there, and he, I mean. Two was 150 something pounds, only ran like 4'43 four, four, or something. Wasn't he like 5'7 like
1: or something like that? <laughs> yeah,
2: like uh, five, I think five nine, but yeah. like 156 pounds or some crazy number like that. And he was drafted in the second round. So there's no reason to think that Braden Lindsey can't become a draftable type player, but obviously it's about consistency for him. I mean, mm-hmm. he's gonna test incredibly well, like you said. There's gonna be some place where you're just like, wow, that's a different type of speed than on this roster at some spots, right? Like you're gonna say that. But the whole thing has always been been about consistency with Brain Lindsay, and and he looked and he looked at that spring practice like a completely different player. Like you said, I mean, he was snapping routes off. He looked confident in his st- skin. He was finishing through contact. Like it did not look like the Brain Lindsay that I was used to. And right. but uh, again, the pessimist in me, as a Notre Dame fan, is I've been fooled about this a few times in my
1: past. So, now folks, BK PTSD. <laughs> That's it right there. Make the t-shirt, I, man. Make, yeah, I'll it. buy one. I get I'll it. I'll buy man. one. 99 problems, BK ain't one. That's perfect timing to bring up his thing, right? Get over that BK PTSD. It's a fair co- – I'm just having some fun with you. It's a very fair, a very fair thing. He's got to show it. B. Ryan, will Notre Dame have a second corner in 2022 that will be good enough to stop teams from avoiding Cam Hart and allow him to make plays and put together some impressive film? I have two comments to make, and I want to hear your opinions. Number one – as an evaluator, I don't need to see you throw at a guy for me to know he's really good. That's a a common, I think, thing that people mistake. There are certain things you're not going to be able to see on film if he's not tested. You can't see the ball skills and all that. But if I'm watching a guy just blanket a guy and completely shut off half the field, I don't need them to throw at him for me to say, that guy's really good, right? That's point number one. Point number two is the schedule this year, there will be teams that aren't going to be afraid of Cam Hart. Ohio State's not going to avoid Cam Hart. They're not. USC's not going to avoid Cam Hart. The nature of that offense, they're not going to avoid Cam Hart. Clemson's probably not going to avoid Cam Hart. Now that may come back to cost them, right? And that would so, but he'll have he'll have opportunities in some of the bigger games this year to prove himself because Ohio State's not going to be like, oh gee, we're afraid of Cam Hart. We're going to go at Cam Hart. And they will. Now, Cam Hart needs to be prepared for that and be ready to make plays when that happens. But there's going to be at least two teams on the schedule this year, Ryan, that are not going to avoid Cam Hart. And honestly, at the end of the year, those are going to be the games NFL teams are going to care most about anyway, as opposed to him locking down half of the field against BYU or UNLV or Syracuse for an entire game. First thing they're going to do when they start looking at Cam Hart, how do you do against Ohio State's receivers? How do you do against USC's receivers? And that's where we're going to look. And if he's not good in those games, but great in the other 10, guess what? That's going to hurt him. So he'll get chances next year. No matter how can, what the second corner does, in my opinion, can, can I say something that people are going to find very
2: weird for a second? NFL evaluators don't care about interceptions. They don't. They don't. They don't care about it. Last year, in the twenty twenty one NFL draft, J. C. Horn went top ten. Who I was a huge fan of, by the way. No bigger fan than J. C. Horn in that cycle. He had two career interceptions, and both of them came in the same game, game against Boneks. <laughs> I mean to start. I'm Brian's boy, Bo Nix, by the way. But yeah. Two interceptions in three years as a player at South Carolina. You know why he only had two interceptions in three years? Because no one threw at him. They were terrified of him. And that's what the old 22, that's what the coach's angle shows you, right? Mm -hmm. They don't care about as much. I mean, everyone wants good ball skills. Everyone wants to force turnovers. Yes, that is a big, big plus. What I'm telling you is is that people are going to watch J.C. Horn's film and they're going to say there's a reason they didn't throw at him that time. They blanketed him. It's not right. open. Like nobody's open. And they're going to have the same instance with Cam Hart. There is a reality where Cam Hart has one interception this year and he is a lockdown first round pick. Right. Like you don't need five. I would actually
1: argue the fewer interceptions he has, the better he's playing. Exactly.
2: I mean, it's, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the Kobe Bryant versus Ahmad Gardner thing, right? Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant's going to have more ball production because nobody's throwing at Ahmad Gardner. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the kind of, that's the, that's the short to it. Right. And, People are going to watch the film and the best corners ever. And this one is back to JC for a second. It makes you like you're bored. You get bored watching really good Mm -hmm. corners because nothing happens. Right. They are terrified of them. And you know who else is the best corners, Brian? And this is a big point that I've always come back to. The best corners are the ones that can play man-to-man coverage. Mm-hmm. And where do you have less interceptions usually in one-on-one situations in man-to-man coverage because your back's to the football? That's usually the occurrence, right? A lot of interceptions come in zone. A lot of them mm-hmm. do because their eyes are back to the line of scrimmage and you can see the ball, where it's going a lot earlier into the rep. So it doesn't matter from a ball production perspective if Cam has those big numbers. If he is the best corner on this on this team and they are avoiding him all year, The NFL will take notice of that. So I don't think it necessarily helps them 99 problems. But what I will say is I do expect cornerback to be a better – it's going to be a better position opposite of Cam Hart because it was not great last year. We know that, right? Right. You're going to expect Clarence Lewis to take a step forward. You're going to expect guys like Ryan Barnes to push for playing time, obviously. So I think that that position will be better overall opposite of Cam Hart. But I don't think that those – like if it is a lot better – and teams start throwing at Cam Hart, I don't think that's necessarily exactly what's going to push him over the top as a draft prospect. That's just not not the thing that usually indicates success.
1: And I, I'm looking at this here, too. Two of the best corners I've ever seen in my life, Deion Sanders and Champ Bailey. Two. I mean, if I'm starting a team, that's probably who I'm starting with, right? I, lo- I love Champ, man. Yeah. I love Champ. And, and they both average fewer than four interceptions a year in their NFL careers. So, I mean... And, you know, you look at a guy like Rod Woodson, who ranks really high, It's Rod Woodson got a lot of picks later in his career and he's playing safety as well. Right. So it, now where NFL teams care about interceptions and production on the ball is when you are thrown at. Sure. The, and, and that's not what we're saying. Like if, if teams are thrown at him a bunch and he only has one interception, that's bad, right? No. That's bad. Right. That's mm-hmm. not what – I just want to make sure people understand what we're saying is we're not saying – If he gets thrown on 50 times and has five breakups and one pick, that's a great year. No, that's a terrible year. I mean, that's a bad year. We just don't expect that to happen. But that's what we saw this year. We saw him have, I think, seven breakups and two picks, and he was thrown on, I think, like 40, 50 times, right? I mean, that's decent production there. But 50 times is pro football focuses number, and they'll count a freaking look screen behind the line scrimmage as being thrown on. So it wasn't quite that many times. So, just want to point that out as well. Just as as yeah. we kind of as we kind of yeah. wrap that up, that part of it up. And and
2: and I mean, last point is I don't want to I don't want to throw too much tra- sh- uh, shade at Trevon Diggs for a second, but Trevon Diggs had like twelve interceptions this year, and he wasn't very good. If yeah. we're going to be completely honest, there was a reason he had twelve
1: interceptions. But yeah, once that's what's funny, he he was an uh, All Pro. Because of the twelve interceptions, but yeah. so silly man. He gave up yeah. over a thousand yards in receiving yardage yeah. last year. Over a thousand yards. <laughs> trying to think what was the most interceptions Dion ever had in a year? Uh it was seven. Seven. And he went five, three, six, three, seven, six, two, two, two. And this is in Dallas. Two, 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 five, three, four, three, two. It's because people stopped throwing at him. He had nine three, on. sixes. We we
2: had a we had a podcast, um, it was like a film breakdown one time, Brian, and uh it was um Mike Haynes came in. Do you remember Mike Haynes played with the Raiders in New England Hall of Fame corner? He mm-hmm. was like, I had eight interceptions as a rookie, and then I never had nearly as many again because people were like, why am I doing that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Very, very true. Okay, so let's get the last couple questions. We have another one from 99 pk one I know this question requires a lot of projection. But if 2023 version of Buckner were in this draft class, where would he be have been selected if in what round do you ultimately think he will be drafted? I, I mean, I can't even begin to, to I can't answer, answer that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I uh, and the reason I, I I wanted to bring this up because I don't want to ignore you. But the reason I can't, I, I am not going to make an NFL draft projection based on what a kid did in high school. And right now, that's what we've seen from Tyler. Having said that, I will say this. I think his skill set is that of a better passing version of Malik Willis. That's what I think his skill set is. Now, will he ever get close to that? I don't know. But I mean, he's a dynamic athlete like Malik Willis, but I think he projects to be a much better passer. That as we talk about the draft, I never, and you know, I never understood the Malik Willis hype. Never understood it. Because I'm watching film and I'm like, this guy doesn't process well. He's not super accurate. He doesn't look comfortable. He's not a passer. I mean, he's just a, a great athlete. Like when I, the reason I like Lamar Jacks coming out, cause I'm like, if that guy gets coached up a little bit, he can drop back, read defenses and throw the football. Lamar threw for like 3,600 yards there. He won the Heisman trophy. Like he was, he was a dynamic athlete, but he could throw the football. When I watch Malik Willis, I just see he's a better version of, I mean, a much better version, but he's closer to the Marshall kid from Auburn in 2013 than he is to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I mean, you know, just, he's a really good athlete, but he's not, he's not, he was never to me an elite quarterback. I thought he was a media creation more than anything. The media for whatever reason picked on, picked up Malik Willis and hyped him up. But, you know, I told you before the draft, I, you know, I'd take Desmond Ritter over him. Well, fortunately for me, the NFL teams agreed with that (laughs) uh, and took him before Malik, but yeah, I, I just, I don't see it with Malik Willis. I think Tyler has a better feel for the game than Malik Willis does at, at an early age, but in regards to projecting him to the draft, I've seen him throw 35 passes in college. I got to see a lot more than that in, in a very specific role to feel comfortable with thoughts on that, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I I can't make an answer either. I was thinking the same thing as just, I I haven't
2: seen enough. Right. And like, that's too much of a projection that's two years out and, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? He could be phenomenal, or he could just be good. I mean, there's there's a big, I think mean, there's a big variance with a guy like a Tyler Buckner because the talent is ex- is exceptional, but he just hasn't played a ton, right? So like, there's innate things that are just going to kind of be picked up. So I agree completely with you. And uh, to the Malik Willis thing for a second uh, Brian this one's gonna make you funny. there was a guy that was arguing me on Twitter before the draft that he was the next Michael Vick so there's uh you know there's always some takes out there man people have takes come on Malik a, Willis yeah someone someone had a uh it was a verified wow. source that also said this man so yeah yeah yep yep
1: yep Twitter's a fun wow. place Twitter's a great it place. it really sucks I know you're being sarcastic it really sucks it re- really sucks. Um, I got a couple more draft questions. We'll get to a couple of recruiting questions and then we'll get at, we got to get out of here. Cause I, I have a meeting. I got to get to, but my Matthew Jackson asked question for y'all. You might uh you might get to it, but I'm about to have to leave for class. Watch it later. What do you guys think Tyree needs to do this coming year in order to get drafted next year? I, I look Chris Tyree's only going to be a junior this year. I, he would have to, I mean, he'd have to rush for 13 plus and, and, stay healthy and I mean just have a big year I I I don't see him leaving after this year unless he has just a monster what did he have to what would he have to what does he need to do rush for 1300 plus yards 10 plus touchdowns run a (laughs) 4-3 at the combine I mean does that does that kind of cover it I'm not being sarcastic I'm just saying like he he hasn't played a lot of football right like he's got a lot to prove Now I'll say this running back is the one position where a one year wonder can leave and be picked high, especially if he's going to test like Chris Tyree. So I will say that, but I I definitely don't think Chris is going to be a, I mean, he's definitely not even with 1400 yards and a bunch of touchdowns and a great test. I still don't see him being a, a, I still don't see him being a first round draft pick. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Ryan, but I still don't see that.
2: No, I mean, he doesn't have a physical profile. I mean, if you're a first round draft pick a running back, that's because, they think that you could be an every down type of back, right? right? Like that's never going to be Chris Tyree. I think Chris Tyree, even if he just has it. So like, let's say in theory, he just has a good season. Let's not even say like some crazy number, like 1,400 yards. If he just has a good year, averages a healthy yards per carry, has the kick return background and runs four, three, he's getting drafted. Like there's no doubt about that with that type of profile. But to Brian's point, I don't think that
1: the upside is ever going to be of a first round pick just because he's just not a high volume kid. I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, look, LaMichael James rushed for 1,500 yards, 1,700 yards, 1,800 yards at Oregon. He had 14 touchdowns, 21 touchdowns, eight touchdowns. Also caught 51 passes for 586 yards in his career. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Lamichael James also did pretty well at the combine. Correct? If I remember correctly, I'm going to try to find his combine results from the I NFL. Actually, he ran a 4-3-5. four he ran three five. Four three five. Okay. Nice. But he was five eight and 194 pounds. And he was the number 61 overall pick in the draft. It's size profile. And again, this is a kid that in his worst year had 1,500 yards rushing in his worst year and had his work. I think also 15 rushing touchdowns that year.
2: Right. So and, like, and he's not a, and I don't think he did anything really in the NFL at all either. No, if I remember correctly. He, he was drafted by the 49ers. I believe. Yeah. And I don't think he did anything.
1: No, I don't, I don't think so either. I'm going to look up his NFL stats right here, but you know, part of it was, he also had a very heavy workload in college. And that, I think, you know, that, that had a factor too, but no, he didn't, he didn't do a ton. He rushed for 125 yards in year one, 59 in year two, he had some injuries and he was out of the league in four years. I, I think Chris Tyree, one thing Chris Tyree has that that LaMichael James didn't, I don't believe LaMichael James, I have to look at that actually now that I say that, I, before I answer that, I don't remember him being a, a tick returner. returner, but he his I, last year at, yeah. at Oregon, mm-hmm. he returned three kicks his career, his last year at Oregon, he had 13 punt returns with a touchdown. But he only okay. returned three kicks his entire career, so I, I didn't don't well, remember just, him being a kick returner. I, I was going to say they
2: had they had the D'Anthony Thomas kid, right? Yeah. They had
1: Josh Huff. They were right. both more
2: of the return men in that time.
1: The point is they he doesn't have he doesn't have that on his docket, right? Where Chris Tyree has that. That's going to be beneficial to him. But again, we have to understand Chris Tyree could be a great college running back, and he's not going to be a high draft pick in my opinion. Like just because of the the, the devaluation of the position from, from a drafting standpoint. I mean, think about it. Brees Hall and Kenny Walker. Kenny Walker was the Doak Walker Award winner and the, and the Walter Camp, I believe, winner this year. Best player in college football. Had a monster season. Where'd he go? Round two? Brees Hall was round two. Did a single? No running backs got picked in round one, correct? No. And these are no. guys that had monster years that ran in the four threes at the combine. And they're much bigger than Chris Tyree. So Chris Tyree's college success is not going to be tied to him being a high pick. And I think the fact that he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear is going to make it nothing you got to understand about Chris Tyree. I don't know if y'all know a lot about his family. If you ever follow his dad on Twitter, I would argue his dad tweets more stuff about his kids GPAs than he does about their on-field success. Like that's the f- kind of family Chris comes from. It's like a very like, like strong upbringing, like, you know, look, football's important tracks important. these things are important, but being a better man, being a better, you know, being a student, preparing yourself for success beyond the field is something that's very important to them. So barring him just having a monster year and us looking at this is like after Bijan, there's like nobody in the running back class. Uh, you know, I, I I don't see him coming out even with the big year. But um, now 2024 draft, different conversation. Uh, Hulk Strong is speaking to Chris Tyree with a super chat. Thank you for that. Can you see Tyree having a thousand yard rushing and receiving year and would he leave? Uh, if he does that, he's gone and he should be gone. I mean, <laughs> oh,
2: oh, we're, oh, we're talking about a thousand rushing and a thousand and receiving? receiving.
1: Yeah. Chance, yeah. yeah he, he, if he does, he's gone. But no, I don't see that happening. That's not the kind of receiver Has... that he is. in yeah, my and, opinion. And here's a question. I, I would love the answer
2: to this. I know. So obviously Marshall Falk did that in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey did that in the NFL. Roger Craig. So
1: three players have done it in the NFL. Has a college player ever done that? It's a good question. If it happened, it happened recently. Yeah, the, yeah. I I don't I don't know if that's ever happened, and if it did happen, it would be some kid that played at like a a smaller school. Right? I, I think
2: I, if if I remember correctly, I think Christian McCaffrey one year at Stanford had like 700 yards receiving and then like mm-hmm. 1800 rushing. Right, so like I doubt anybody's ever done that.
1: That sounds pretty absurd. I'm to me. I'm just kind of going back. I'm on I'm 2018 right now. Um, am I looking at receiving yards? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, nope. There's a guy from Virginia that was listed as a running back that had a thousand yards, but he rushed for 83. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he wasn't a running back. I'm going to say that was misclassified. <laughs> 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 well, was rec- Re- rec- recruited as a running back. And then right. And they just decided yet. they never wanted to change it. I'm, I'm yeah. at 16 now and I'm still not seeing any receivers with a thousand yards rushing and receiving. So I, There's uh, no I don't remember happens. it. I don't remember it happening, to be honest with you, but who knows? But and I think the thing that Notre Dame fans are going to think, like, well, he had that hundred-yard game in the bowl game. That that's a that's an anomaly, right? But he also had eighteen rushing yards that game. So like, it's usually not both, right? I wonder what Travis Travis Etienne didn't have close to that, but I'm I'm wondering what he did in his last year because I know he had a lot more receiving production in his last year than he had 588 like he caught 48 yeah. balls for 580 yards that's yeah that's, that's you know he, he caught the ball a lot yeah that's a lot of yeah. production and he's that's still been, even close to that so anyway last couple before we get out of here we do have a couple of recruiting questions here great questions to everybody today really really good questions a couple here it's crazy like a fosky sorry if this has been asked do we have an over under number for may recruits so I'm hesitant to do this just because of the last month, because the lesson that I've learned is we're seeing more and more and more kids making silent commitments for down the road times that have to do with, I want to take this official. I want to take that. I want to get this video made I, there. There's, there's a lot more going on to this than, than meets the eye. It's not like we've seen in the past. And so, I hesitate to make a guess. I would, I would say, I, as of now, I know of four players that plan on making public commitments at some point in time in the month of May. Mm-hmm. Right now, I feel really good about Notre Dame in three of them. Beyond that, I, I don't have a lot of, I because like last month, so well, you know, they didn't get to the five and a half. Well, not publicly. <laughs> That's the frustrating <laughs> whole thing. Not publicly, you know, but. Um, you know, I'm hesitant, especially since Notre Dame is, is is doing that June 10th. I could see Notre Dame saying, hey, hold off. on doing let, Let's do something that weekend to make it a bigger thing with some of these uncommitted kids on campus. I could see something like that. So I just, I hesitate to jump on a number, Ryan, other than that, as of right now, because there was a kid that was supposed to come in April that decided to push it back to May. I don't know yeah. if the kids in May are going to decide to push it to June. So I'm hesitant to throw a number out there. This month, because they ended up getting what four, including 24 kids. They got Car, yeah, they got Braylon James, right? In the 2023, those are the only two in the 23 class, right? Mm-hmm. Then they got uh Brandon Davis Swain in 24, and they got they got the kid um Jabron Payne. Payne in 2022, right? We weren't counting 22 kids in there, we were counting 23 kids in 23 and 24 kids. I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll put a number out there
2: because why not? You know, you can hold it to me if you want. I, I'll say 2023 kids.
1: I'll say there's going to be four. Okay. I'll just say four. Let's stay there. Okay. I think it's fair. As long as kids don't change their, their, their uh, dates around. I think that'll be, I'm comfortable with that. Bobby. Yes. Says is great house. Absher Lamar Houston. Realistic for may commits. Some I would of say those. F-
2: Go ahead. For, well, I was going to say for may, I'd say three out of four realistic. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: I'd...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I would I'd say three that. out of four. Here's a, I think this is a great way to end the show. This is a great question. And unless there's a super chat kind of coming up, I, I this is going to be a good way to end. This is a great question from timeout, Tom. He asked us on the message board. He said, you've got Dante Moore as a Pied Piper. And and I've made that comment several times. Can a commitment like list of receivers like Braylon James, and let's just say hypothetically, Jaden Greathouse, Rodney Gallagher, and Ronan Hannafin, be Pied Pipers for Dante Moore? I think that is a great question. And my answer to that, Ryan, simply would be, yes. I think they could. Because I think the reason why is, number one, Dante would have a lot more confidence that, hey, I'm going to be surrounded by guys. Like You look at the breakout from Jadarian Price in the the spring. Tobias Merriweather is a top-ranked recruit coming in, right? Tight ends we all know about. If Notre Dame's able to land big time receivers because that's three top 100 dudes basically right there right and then the fourth guy who's you know a three-star has offers from alabama clemson ohio state notre dame oklahoma and usc recently right? right right and so alabama wants him at receiver ronan hannafin so if that's your lowest ranked guy that's one heck of a flipping recruiting class at receiver and, and the thoughts got to be hey dante if we can do this without you, (laughs) imagine what we can do with you. And so, yeah, Tom, I think there's some merit to that. Will it be the case? I don't know, but I don't, I think, you know, it's like maybe that's the approach Notre Dame needs to take. Hey, we tried to get Dante in the class to be the leader, to get everybody else. So let's, let's go get some guys to go public here and have that effect on Dante. That's, that's not a bad strategy. Now that you think about it, Tom, I I, I really like that, Ryan. What what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, I, all I'll say here is if you you already have Braylon
2: James in the class, if Notre Dame's able to land a Jaden Greathouse or Rodney Gallagher or Ronan Hannafin, I mean, would there be a better is there is there somebody that would have a better wide receiver group in twenty twenty three than that? Like that It'd be is tough. It'd be that's tough. really good. I mean, yeah. it's got to be top like two or three. It's going to definitely be top groups. three
1: for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. So I mean, either way. At some point you I mean, there has to be like a, a moment where you're just kind of like if you're the staff and you've pulled off that, if Chansey Stucky pulled off that With, and the staff without pulled this <laughs> without a quarterback, I mean, wouldn't you at one point you just go to Dante and be like, Dante, like
1: do you see all this man? Like <laughs> this right, and there's like, a chance they could have Monroe Freeling in the class right. by then. There's a chance right. they could have Sullivan, Sullivan Abster in the Absherd. class yeah. by yeah. then. Sam Pendleton's right. already there. They got they've already got two running, you know, they they've they already got a running back. And mm-hmm. two in last year's class. Maybe they could. They might get another running back. You've got a top 150 tight end. It's mm-hmm. just like, hey man, you know, What's the like, hold up.
2: What's the hold like, up?
1: <laughs> like, we're now waiting on you, right? And so, yeah, I I could dig that. Like, you want to go play over there? Who they got that can match with this, right? Who that? You know what I mean? So you want to take some nil money? You can make that here, right? We just can't hand it to you. You got to earn it. But you can make that here because these guys are going to help lead you to the Heisman. I mean, that's the, in in like Tom Mendoza said in that, that article, look, if a, if a kid's a Heisman trophy contending quarterback at Notre Dame, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to make a lot of money legally, legally. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the thing is there. So Tom, I think that's a great observation. I mean, it really is a great observation because normally it's the other way around. Right. Mm-hmm. But the other point too, Ryan is, let's just say that Notre Dame is able to get three of those four before Dante decides he's going to go public. What does it say about this staff that they're able to do that without a quarterback in the class? I mean, what does it say about Chancey Stuckey and Tommy Reese and Chad Bowden and Marcus Freeman, if they're able to put that receiver class together without having a quarterback in the class and last year's quarterback was a three-star kid. It says
2: they're all relentless and says they're all dogs <laughs> on the recruiting trail. I mean like, yeah, man, it's, it's incredible to think about. I mean, I almost wanted to write, and obviously N- Notre Dame at the moment has only landed one of those four that we're highlighting mm-hmm. right now, right? But I almost wrote an article over the weekend where I was just like, can we praise Chancey Stuckey for a split right. second here of what he's done since they, since he's right. arrived on campus? Because, man, it's just a guy that has very little experience recruiting, and the impact that he's had on the recruiting trail so far, is just its insane to
1: think about, yeah. man. Now He's got to close. This. That's the key. Of course, he's got to close but the fact that Notre Dame is, is like, this is, this is a legitimate option. Am I ready to predict that right now? No. I, you know, I, I still with Rodney Gallagher, I know things went really well, but I just, I, I'm not, I'm just not as confident in some other, as other, some other people I know are in, in projecting him there. Uh, I'm just, I'm not as confident in that yet, but I do think it's legitimate. I do think it's a legitimate thing. So uh, the fact that we're even having that, and I don't even think it's a stretch. I don't think it's like OG. Oh, cross your fingers and hope all. I would say right now they they for in my opinion I'd say they lead for three of those guys right right now, at least three of those guys. I know people that I have sources that tell me that they lead for all four. I'm just going to continue to say I'm not as so. I think Rodney Gallagher got a great visit, but as I said last week, I want to see how he feels. Coming out of Penn State, and then same thing's going to happen in June. He's going to visit Notre Dame, and then the next week, and he's going to go to Penn State. There's other schools he's going to visit. I'm just I want to see how he does. Does that feeling about Notre Dame still there after you've made some other visits? I'm not as I'm just not as confident in that one as Notre Dame being the leader in that one as I am the other the other two. And obviously, Braylon James already in the class. So, uh, but still, I, I I'd be surprised if they don't get two of those three to go with Braylon James thoughts on that Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I mean at this point, right? Like I I feel like, I mean, I am one of the
2: believers that, that does think that they, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously James has been landed, but like the other, you know, the other three receivers just looking at in that list, I think they probably leave for all three right now. And I I know you make a valid point. It's like, that was Rodney Gallagher's first time at Notre Dame. So like when it wears off a little bit, like, let's see what the real truth happens and, same thing with jane Greathouse. even though great house is going to be back on campus you know pretty soon relative to you know kind of recruiting so you feel good about it but either way i mean even if you only land three
1: of the four okay <laughs> right, and exactly. who was my number one ranked player in the entire class last year It was tobias merriweather a receiver my thing with gallagher the, the one difference in gallagher and great house for me ryan and and, and is great house came into notre dame's visit even though we thought Texas was the leader, but he came in with a very high opinion of Notre Dame. As you reported, he already set up two visits to Notre Dame already before ever having been here. So whereas Gallagher came in with much more of a, we'll see kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but to your, your point is he did have a great visit and he is open. So I'm just not, I don't know what it is. I'm just not quite as comfortable on that one just yet, but me being not comfortable means, you know, maybe they're a one B. I just don't think he has it there yet. That's where I'm coming from. Is I think if he was forced to maybe pick a team, maybe he picks their name as his leader. I just don't think he's there yet. That's my thing. Right. I don't think he's right. there in his recruitment yet to really to really be there. That's just that's just my two cents. That, that's that's what one. this month is that's what this month is for. This is the decision right. making time now for Gallagher. Yep. Right. 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 All right. That's gonna be it. So you know, we got we got one more thing I gotta pull up here. And, and he, he got it on time today. And that's, it's about that right there. May say, K, join the message board, everybody smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, share the podcast. And if you are listening via podcast format, please give us a five-star review and go Irish. You can find the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We've got all types of cool goodies here in the links below. Uh, free to check out. We're always talking ball. We are talking a lot about the article I wrote today about the NCAA's absolute lack of leadership and courage and integrity. That conversation is raging. People come from d- both sides of the ball in the message board today. I'm gonna have some articles on about that here the next couple days. And uh, just about different things I think the NCAA needs to do to fix the portal problem, to, to, to make NIL something that's really positive and also something that that's positive for players, but also something that's not being used in the way that it is now, which is outside of the spirit of what NIL is supposed to be about. I have a lot of stuff on that, playoff conversations, all types of things coming up on how to fix college football. And uh, so quite quite a um, presumptuous take, but you all know me. I'm not afraid to say things like that, so I'm going to say them. And uh, Ryan's going to have tons of recruiting stuff coming out. We have two different mailbags on the front page right now. We have one on offense, one on defense, because we had so many good questions and, of course Ryan once he hangs up the uh, hangs up this here today he's gonna to be on the on the phone uh, calling kids and just kind of seeing where everything is at so uh, make sure you are locked into the Irish breakdowncom and the message board at borson to get all of it so everybody have a great great rest of your day and we will talk to you again very very soon thank you for joining us on the Irish breakdown podcast